Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Who's glad to be in church on a Sunday? Come on, if God has been good to you, can you give him a praise right here, right now? Oh, that would be okay if he helped you, but if he has saved you, if he has healed you, if he has shown his goodness to you, what an opportunity. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. This is an opportunity to say thank you to the God who has been so good to us. Come on, come on. If you can't tell, I'm so happy to be in church with you. God is so good. He's so faithful. And the fact that we get to come together like this and worship him, it's a place where you can be encouraged, a place where you can be revitalized. That's why I love coming into the house of God. Not because everything's perfect, but it's quite the opposite. I don't know if y'all are, I mean, y'all are, are you living the same battle that I'm living? Because it's a battle sometimes. Sometimes it seems like there is so much against us, but when we come together, we realize greater is he that is living in me than he that is in the world. And when we're together, we remind ourselves we're not in this battle alone, that we stand together, that we fight together, and that God has won the victory for us. So if you've been battling in your life, I'm so glad that you are here, because perhaps this can remind you you're not alone. Look at someone next to you say, you're not alone. I dare you look at someone else and say, that's one of the reasons I love being together in the house of God. Because it's about our relationship with him, but it's also about our relationship with each other. And our prayer is that you're encouraged when you're here, when you're tuning in, that you are encouraged and that you see things in a bigger picture. Because yeah, there's a lot of circumstances. You know, our team chose this song because sometimes it can just feel like if you open your Twitter feed or you look at the news, it's just like there is chaos all around. But when we come together here and realize that beyond what our eyes see, there is a spiritual battle and God has already won the victory and that he is working his purposes into the earth. We don't operate out of fear or as Pastor Franco was so eloquently saying, out of lack or out of scarcity. We operate out of faith. And we stand strong in our faith. So that's our hope is that today as you are here, you're built up in your faith. What a day it is. Happy Father's Day to all of the dads in the room. One time, give it up for all the dads. We honor you. Happy Father's Day, bro. Happy Father's Day. It is, it is a journey sometimes. It is an effort. Dads, I know I have a six-year-old. And I've still got a journey ahead, but... What a high calling to bear the same title that God chose to use to reveal his character to us. Like sometimes I find myself speechless at that. Like when I think of the word father, which is the word God chose to use to reveal himself to us. And then, man, we, we play that role. We bear that title. So we don't take it lightly, for sure. But also, can I encourage you? Can I challenge you? Can I call up each of us that your children, your family, they don't need you to be a perfect father. 
need you to be a present father. Showing up in the best ways that you can doesn't mean you may always get it right. I know I don't. But we keep showing up because that's how we reflect the goodness of God into our family. And the most important thing you can give your children is the gift of yourself, giving them you, not just things that you can provide for them. And there is nothing wrong with being a provider because that is an incredible quality. And yes, work hard. Don't stop being that because you show and teach your children the value of hard work. But what we give them can't ever replace who we are to them. So be present, show up, even tired. Something I've learned in my short six years of fatherhood is you can play race cars even when you're tired. Like, go get it. <laughs> be there, be present. You know when our children psychologically, you know, young children ask, hey, can you play with me? That's the only language they have for something much deeper, which is, hey, can you bond with me? Through play, our children are looking for emotional intimacy. But they don't have the language for that, nor do they know how it feels or what it means. But all they know is, like, can we play? So dads, maybe you can hear it a little differently. Instead of, yeah, in a minute, your children are saying, hey, can you bond with me? And if your children are older, give them the gift of yourself. You can still be present. You can share with them lessons you've learned from your failures, from your successes. There is no role more beautiful that we can reflect the goodness of God, than being a husband, being a father. So we commend you, dads. We celebrate you. And we got a donut for you after service. One more time for the dads. We honor you so much. And if Father's Day is a complicated day for you, if it's filled with difficult emotions, if it's a heavy day, if you woke up today and didn't even want to put your feet like on the floor, if today grief feels like a wave that's hitting you, or anger feels like an eruption coming up in you, if resentment is there, bitterness is there, we're here with you too. We stand with you too. But I have good news for you. That if a man twisted the title of father in your life, God is able to show you what that title was always meant to be. He's able to redeem and restore the true picture of a good and loving and present father. And the perfect heavenly father can overshadow all the wrongs of an earthly father. And as believers, today is a day for us to celebrate because we have a good father. And yes, if your story is difficult, yes, shed the tears, but don't forget that you have a perfect heavenly father. So to everyone in the room, happy Father's Day, because we have a good God. One more time, let's give God praise. We're continuing in our summer playlist series, and I'm super excited to get into the word with you today. If you didn't know, my name is Pastor Justin. I serve as one of the associate pastors here at City of Life. I feel the need to share with you just a bit about my story because there are so, some new faces in the room. I was quite literally born and raised in this church. <laughs> I've been here my entire life. Um, my mom was saved here and pregnant with me at the time. And then um, 
back then at the beginning of our church, Pastor Janice, one of our founding pastors, started a ministry called Moms, the Ministry of Motherhood. And it was young moms with their babies just learning like how to do this and what it meant to be a believer and have a baby. And I was one of the first babies there in Moms Ministry. There's all these pictures of me and Pastor Janice holding me. And it's funny because this has always felt like home. And that's, I believe, what church is supposed to be. It's not just a place you go or you watch or it's like a production. It should feel like home. And uh, I grew, grew up here and I met my beautiful wife when we were both children in kids' church. So thank God for what's happening over in that room with your kids. <laughs> it's a good thing. Good things can happen. Every time I send my son over there, I'm like, in Jesus' name, be blessed. Go do your thing. <laughs> but I love what happens when we can grow here in the house. So I met my beautiful wife here and I attended City of Life Christian Academy through my whole education, graduated here, and then Pastor Jeff and Pastor Amy, who are our senior pastors today, at the time were my youth pastors. They really helped me understand the power of the call of God and what it was to minister and to lead. And uh, I, I came on staff here some, wow, 15 years ago, 16, I can't, it's like 16 years ago, I don't know. It's a long time, it's a long time. And uh, it's just a true privilege to get to serve here as one of the, one of the, not just one of the pastors, but just being a part of this effort feels like home. And so I know there's a lot of new faces that I have yet to meet, but that's a little bit about me. And yeah, now our six-year-old son is running around here like he owns the joint too. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just so beautiful how God's word is true in my life. And perhaps it can be an encouragement to you. The book of Psalms says, those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. I am not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, nor did I earn half the things that God has blessed me with. Maybe the one thing I did right was plant. Just plant myself and stay and stay and stay and stay because you have no idea what planting will develop in you. You also have no idea what planting your life will allow you to do for others. So often we think, well, nothing's happening for me. It's been a year. What if it's supposed to take 20? But what if after 20, you fulfill your destiny? Would it not have been worth it? Would it not have been worth it? So I'm living proof of that promise. And so let me encourage you to plant yourself in what God has called you to, your families, your vow, your life, your church. Plant yourself in the house of God and your life will flourish. So that's a bit about me. And today I'm excited because we're gonna get into the word together. I'm gonna to share with you the title of my message and then we'll pray and dive in. The title of my message today, Good News Travels Far. Good News Travels Far. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. As I get into it today, I ask that you would encourage us, that you'd speak to us, and on this Father's Day, that you would reveal your character to us. In a world where there is so much chaos around us, wars and rumors of wars and plagues and pestilence and sickness, God, sometimes it just seems like the words of the Bible and on the page pop off right onto our screens and onto our phones. It seems like we're living in what you warned us about, and yet we realize it's not just about what we see. There is something spiritual going on, and it is you that can help us navigate that. So God, we're grateful for this opportunity to get into your word. In Jesus' name, everyone says amen. 
Amen. All right, so I'm going to dive in right away because we're just going to park the car right here in Romans chapter 8. We're going to go line by line through a passage. It's one of my favorite ways to just look at the Bible and to preach and to study is just to see what's there. And my hope is that when you listen to a sermon like this, you don't think, whoa, he preached good. That's not my goal. That's not my point. Also, it's just not going to happen. I'm just a person. My goal is that you realize, wow, the word is alive that I can crack open this Bible for myself and do exactly what Pastor Justin did today. I can do that myself. You know, I didn't even need Pastor Justin. I can do this myself. That would be a win for me, okay? That would be a win if you can go home and realize I can go right to God because I'm not here to be a priest, okay? I'm here to be an encouragement. I'm here to be a shepherd. But you already have the one high priest, Jesus, who's made the way for you to go straight to the Father. You don't need anyone in the middle between you and him. You have what you need. So my goal is to maybe model to you and equip you with something you can go and do on your own. Because that would be such a beautiful growth. Uh, that would be such a beautiful part of your growth in your journey. So Romans chapter 8. Paul is talking here to the church in Rome, to believers like you and I, and he says this in verse 14. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. He says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. One sentence in, and I'm already ready to preach. <laughs> the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about impulses for just a moment. Would anyone say that sometimes you can be impulsive? Anyone honest in church? Yeah, you know, there's like, for me, one of my biggest impulses is carbohydrates. <laughs> so I see bread, chips, cookies, crackers, and it's just like my hand is moving without me realizing it. It's just immediate, I'm eating. Doesn't matter if it's on my plate or yours. <laughs> I'm just, oh, that looks good. <laughs> I just love chips. <laughs> Impulsive, you know, perhaps when it comes to purchases. Anyone? You know, like, you know, they call it the impulse buy section when you're at the register and you're like, oh, I didn't know that I needed that. <laughs> you know, impulse buying, or as my wife calls it, Target. Where you just, I don't know what happened. We needed soap and now we have 14 pillows <laughs> every time. But I love you. I love you. Return them. So impulsiveness. Maybe it looks like you saying, I'm just going to watch one episode of this show on Netflix. And then eight hours later, it's like, are you still watching? And you have, like, food on your chest in bed. And you're like, yes, yes. <laughs> and you end up watching the whole series. Impulsiveness. Maybe it's not so comical. Maybe it looks some other ways. Maybe you're in a room and you look across the room and you make eye contact with someone. They give you that look. You're like, hey, now. And yes, you have a spouse at home, but man, that attention brings about an impulse. You just have to go talk. Maybe you see that red bubble in your social media. Maybe it's a DM and you're like, well, wow, hold on, this is nice. Some attention here. Spend a click and scroll and stalk and you're like, oh, look at this picture on the beach and look at this picture. Wow, hey, this, this is nice. And you've suddenly impulsively found yourself somewhere. Maybe someone makes you angry impulsively. You degrade them with words. Or maybe you see something on TV and it makes you impulsive about an entire group of people. And you start devaluing entire groups of people. Anyone who votes this way is an idiot. Anyone who looks this way is, is ridiculous. People who think that, what's wrong with them? 
and impulsively we're just decimating people all around us. How and where do your impulses drive you? Impulsiveness, it is, it is when the, the, the flesh in us, the carnal side of us, kicks into overdrive. But Paul says in Romans here, the mature children of God are led by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. What if the same way that you were impulsive with the things of the flesh, what if you were impulsive by the power of the Holy Spirit? Just imagine what it could look like. That instead of seeing someone who's hot in the club and you have to go talk to them, what if you see someone who is broken and in pain and you are impulsively compassionate and you are moved to help? Or you see someone who is in need and without even realizing it, the same way my hand reached for chips, your hand is reaching into your wallet to be a blessing to someone. What if you were impulsively kind, impulsively peaceful, what if your life was impulsive by the power of the Holy Spirit? It might sound idealistic, but it wouldn't be in the word if it wasn't possible. Jesus was, living, was driven by this impulse. It said he looked at people and he was just ugh, like moved with compassion. It was like just impulsive. He would see them and his eyes would water. He would see sick people and he would say, what can I do for you? How can I help? The mature children of God are led by that impulsive drive of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, and you did not receive the spirit of slavery leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Has anyone ever had the fear of not being good enough? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Thank you. Okay, we're amongst friends here now. That fear of not being good enough. It's not just like a tough mental health day. It's not just, oh, I'm having, you know, a, a tough moment. Romans says it is a spirit of slavery that Christ came to set us free from. That fear of not being good enough. The Bible says you have not been given that spirit of slavery that takes you back to that. As believers, we must understand that Christ came to establish us in our identity. And at some point, we're going to have to believe that I am who you say I am. I've noticed a trend that believers, it's easy for them to believe that God is who he says he is, but we don't really believe that I am who he, he says I am. He says you're chosen, valuable, worthy. But every day you're like, I don't know, I don't know. If you believe what he says, you better believe it all the way. If you believe who he is, then that means you have to believe who he says you are. Because he's not a liar. And I know this is hard because it's like, wait, wait, wait. Now we're talking about me and I know me. He knows you better. You think you know you. But you're looking through the lens of your own failure. You're looking based on what others say about you. But he knows you based on how he created you. How he designed you. How he intended you to be. And how he is planning to transform you into his image and likeness. He knows you better. And we have to understand that we didn't get that spirit of slavery that brings us back into the fear of never being good enough. You have received the spirit of full acceptance. Full acceptance. Come on, y'all. That's great news. Not partial acceptance, not conditional acceptance, not temporary acceptance, but full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. 
and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying these words of tender affection. Beloved Father. This is translated all kinds of ways. Abba Father, Dad, Papa, Papi, whatever you want. It's this affectionate relationship where we know God as Father because of his spirit rising up in us. Verse 16, I love it. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. Lest I say it a third time, the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. The Holy Spirit gets all kinds of reputations everywhere. And if you want to talk about, well, this is the Holy Spirit and that is the Holy Spirit, so be it. I'm going to go with what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit is the agent of adoption in your life. And he is the one who makes God's fatherhood real to you. And believer... If God's fatherhood is not real to you, ask the Holy Spirit to continue to rise up in you and make it real. Because remember, again, this book was not written to people out on the streets in Rome. This book was written to the people sitting in the pews in Rome. Paul is saying, friends, brothers, sisters, the whole point of all of this gospel is so that children could come back to their father. That's the point. And a lot of us, Approach God as our forgiver, as our savior, sometimes as our, our lifesaver. Get me out of this, God, please. As, and all of these things, but we haven't quite understood him as father. That's the ultimate goal. For a father to be reunited with his children. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the what? Father, but by me. He basically said, my whole purpose is reunification for children and the Father. I, I'm the way to know the Father. I'm the doorway to his fatherhood. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Man, can we just meditate on that for a moment? Let me ask you a question. I really want you to ponder it in your soul. How real is God's fatherhood to me? How real is it? And have I heard this whisper, you are God's beloved child? Have I heard, how often do I hear that? How often do I acknowledge that whisper? Because there's really only two alternatives. You live in the reality of God's fatherhood and the adoption that you have experienced or you live as an orphan. There's really only two ways. There's no middle ground. And too many people are living with an orphaned spirit. This is tough, friends. Too many people are living without that genuine revelation of God's fatherhood. Yes, of course, out there, but also, I believe people who have been following God for 20 years are still living with the posture and mentality of an orphan. You know a God who washed you. You know a God who cleansed you. But you don't know a father who's embraced you. And I think a lot of people end up in church because they feel guilty about their sins. So they come to get washed, which is great. I love the fact that Jesus is our cleanser because I need that more than anyone. I need to be washed. I need to be renewed. I need the grace of God. But it was never about stopping there. 
It was always about the reality of God's fatherhood. And too many people have come to church, maybe sitting in this room today, and you stopped at the washing. And you don't know him as father. That's living like an orphan. You know, in the Old Testament, we see the temple and the tabernacle, and every detail of the way God instituted temple worship was symbolic. You know, like you would come in, there would be an altar, a sacrifice, where an animal would have to be sacrificed, really viscerally. And that represents the way that Jesus had to give of himself and his body was sacrificed because you can't even get into the presence of God without the blood shed for the remission of sins. And then beyond that is this, this laver, this bowl with water where the priests would wash themselves ceremonially because you can't go in without being cleansed. And that's also what Jesus did for us. But both of those things were in the outer courts. That's just like entry-level stuff. Beyond that is a holy place and a most holy place. And too many believers have stopped at the washing and said, this is what Christianity is. I'm cleansed, okay, I can go to church, I can do what I need to do, and I can get through my life. Don't stop at the washing. That is just outer court stuff. God's trying to draw you in and beckon you in to something much deeper, much more profound. The washing was just the way in to the, re the relationship with a father who is good and pure and holy. Is God's fatherhood real to me? When's the last time I heard that whisper, you're God's beloved child? Or am I living with an orphaned spirit? Let's talk about what it means to live with an orphaned spirit. I've already talked about being impulsive <laughs> with your carnal nature. When we live with an orphaned spirit, we think that life is just about us. So we do what we want, right? Because we're kind of like... A lost boy in Peter Pan. I'm just out in the woods. It's just me. So I can do what I want, take what I want, go after what I want, sleep with who I want, drink what I want, use what I want, steal what I want. When we live with an orphan spirit, nothing but us matters. Right? Because we're just fending for ourselves. But when we understand we are a son, we are a daughter, that there is always a loving hand on our shoulder, that our Father is with us every step of the way. You know, like I mentioned, I have a six-year-old son. And it's so crazy. I don't know how parents did it back in the day. Because today, at any given moment, I can, like, monitor my child at any time. You know, like, I can open my phone and there's an app for me to tell exactly what he's doing at any given moment. And, like, I'll look and he's up, in, you know, playing in his room. Like, whoa, what is he doing? Whoa, why is he on top of that? Why is he swinging that? What is happening up there? And then I walk in and he's like, Hi. Because the presence of the father changes the behavior of the child. The presence of the father changes the behavior of the child. And when you live with an orphan spirit, you don't even acknowledge the presence of God. And so your behavior reflects that there is no one with you but you. Can I ask you a fundamental question? Do you really believe that God is always with you? Yeah, oh, oh, think about it though. Because if you really believed God is always with you, you wouldn't do half of the things that you do. We, we think that God is like a light switch that we turn on and off. Like, oh, he's with me on Sundays, but he's definitely not with me on Saturday nights because I like to do a little something, something. 
We think he's with us in a house of worship, but he's not with us when we're in our room spiraling in negativity and anger and hate and criticism. It's as if suddenly we don't acknowledge his presence. We think he's with us in the public moments, but not really with us in the private moments because, like, no one will see. And, like, I'm just going to write this. I'm just going to put this emoji. I'm just, it's just nothing. Do we really believe that God is with us? Do we really believe he's with us? You know, that's why the Bible says acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your paths. If you acknowledge, dad, with me. Father God, you're with me. He's going to show you what to do. When you're on I-4 and someone cuts you off, do I really believe God's in my car with me? Because that's going to change what I say. If I think I'm alone, it's not going to be pretty. But if I realize the God of heaven, his presence is in the car with me, the only effort I'm going to say is forgive you. That's it. But do you actually believe that God is with you? Because if you did, your life would change. It would transform. And if you don't truly believe that, it might be sign of an orphan spirit. Because a child knows the loving hand of the Father is on their shoulder at all points. Not to micromanage us. Not to control us, but to affirm us and to favor us and to imbue us with his power and his love. To never, ever leave us alone. He's always with us. And an orphan spirit doesn't see that. But the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. And we realize, wow, you're with me. You're with me. I'm never alone. I'm never alone. So that impulsiveness is a sign of an orphan spirit. Anxiety is the sign of an orphan spirit. Because anxiety is the result of someone forecasting their future without God's goodness in it. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my health? What about the bills? What about my marriage? What about the world? What's going to happen with our government? What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen? All these huge questions as if we are somehow upholding the future. Worrying yourself sick. And I speak from personal experience. I was diagnosed with panic disorder, crippled with anxiety and panic attacks. And it was, yes, mental, yes, emotional. Yes, I had to go to counseling and work through some severe trauma in my life. Yes, it was the result of a really unhealthy thought pattern. But it was also, for me, one of the most godless moments in my life where I had disconnected myself from the reality of God's fatherhood. And it was all about what I had to do to take care of me and everybody around me. And it was so disconnected from the loving hand on my shoulder. An orphan spirit and worries. And if you've been wrapped up in that kind of anxiety and insecurity and fear, may I remind you the God who upholds all of heaven and earth is upholding you. As we used to sing in Kid Church, he's got the whole world in his hands and you and me too. He's taking care of you. He's with you. He's not only here in the present so that your choices should look different, but he's in the future guiding you and leading you. And he knows the end from the beginning. And if God isn't worried about your future, why are you? He's not worried about your future. And he's seen it already. And he's not like, oh, no, oh, no. Angels, go, go, get him. <laughs> he's not worried. So why are we? You know, like I was reflecting a lot. My dad is the most like steadfast. <laughs> he's like a rock. I was telling my wife, one of my favorite things about my dad is like at any given moment, at any given day, I can tell you exactly what my dad's doing because <laughs> it's been that way for 34 years. <laughs> like, 
at, I know at 4 o'clock what's happening. I know at 6 o'clock what's happening. He's just a rock. I've never seen him like <gasps> worried or stressed. And it, it always brings me great comfort because I'm a little bit uh, reactive to situations. And then I get around my dad and I was like, okay, wait, he's cool. He's cool. All right. Okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Under, you draw great confidence when your father is at peace and realizing your heavenly father is not worried. He's not worried. Zephaniah says he sings over you while you sleep. How relaxed must a father be to just sing over you while you sleep? He's not like downstairs like, okay, we got to figure out how we're going to get more money to Justin. We got to figure out how we're going to bring more strength to Justin. No, he's just like right there over me while I'm sleeping, just singing. He's not worried. And an orphan spirit gets so anxious because we become disconnected from that stability. Also, an orphan spirit, beyond just being impulsive or anxious or insecure, there's some other sides to it too. And if none of those convicted you, this definitely will. An orphan spirit is competitive. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute. Talk about the sad stuff more. Don't talk about this one. <laughs> an orphan spirit is always having to prove itself. Like, oh, I gotta, I gotta be the best. I gotta overwork. An orphan spirit is always performing and overworking and overdoing and competing. And I, I just love describing myself as competitive. I'm super competitive. Yeah. And I love describing myself as that. It'd be better for me to say, I'm a child of God. That's my identity. Because an orphan is competitive because they believe they have to prove something to everyone around. I have to show you my identity. I have to prove it to everyone around. But a true son or daughter doesn't have to prove anything because they know that loving hand is on their shoulder and that God is the one who proves my identity. It's right here. I have nothing to prove, no one to please. I don't need to overdo it. I don't need to overwork. I don't need to compete. I don't need to be jealous or envious. I don't need to do all of that because God has already said, you're enough. You've done enough. Rest. It's okay. I see you. I take care of it. Like that, that relationship can diffuse all of that intensity that's in an orphan spirit. Because an orphan spirit is also self-sufficient. I can take care of myself. Your life is not the result of all your ability and effort. And an orphan spirit believes, I have to work harder to get more, and it's all up to me. But a true child of God re realizes that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Not according to my effort and ability, according to his riches and glory. How would you prefer your needs to be met, based on your ability or his riches? Because an orphan says it's about me, a child says it's about him. And that's where the peace comes in. And I believe today, whether it was the, the insecurity or the anxiety or the fear, or maybe this competitiveness, there is something in you that still has a little bit of orphan in it. And God's wanting to break that off of you so you can step fully into your sonship, fully into your relationship with God as father. He wants you to be aware. And the Holy Spirit wants to make God's fatherhood real to you. Verse 17, and since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. Someone say, I qualify. Say it again. Say, I qualify. Maybe this is the first time you've ever said something like this and believe it. Put your hand right here and mean it. Say, I qualify. 
Romans says that we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. In Roman culture, it's talking about adoption where a, a son would be adopted into a family and whatever debt that son had would be erased and whatever inheritance the father had would be imbued to that son. That'll preach itself that when we come into relationship with God the Father, it's no longer about us or our debt, but it is about his inheritance. He's already done the heavy lifting. He's already got the provision. And it comes to me not by merit but by relationship with God as father. You know, I think it's amazing that the world is always so, like, impressed and, like, mystified with the royal family. Like, these people who just, like, float around and, like, just live this life that none of us understand. And we're like, how would they just have, like, stuff? It's because they don't have to use effort for anything because they know it's already coming to them. It's an inheritance. When you live with an inheritance in mind, you realize it's not about me. It's about what is already coming to me because of the one who I am connected to. And that's what the good news is, that you are a child of God receiving inheritance. We will experience being co-glorified with him. And as this verse is ending, I just wanted to have a big, strong conclusion. We'll experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his suffering. Wait, what? That was so close to the perfect verse. <laughs> it was about to be the happiest thing ever. And it's like, you're going to be glorified as long as you accept his suffering as your own. Hold on. I would have written that so different. I would have put the period right after co-glorified. But I think this is a beautiful picture of this real relationship. Because this means we're really family. You're going to receive the inheritance, but also... We suffer together. We go through it together. Jesus was rejected by culture. Guess what that means? You're not going to be liked very much when you start to live out his values in, in the earth. It might cost you some things. Are you willing to share in that suffering so that you may share in the glory? You know, my son's like, oh, do I have to clean the table? I'm like, yep, you're a part of this family. And if you want to enjoy the benefits, then you also enjoy every part and you feel every part of what it means to be a family. Here's one of the scariest things about being an orphan. Sometimes we run into the orphan spirit because we want to distance ourselves from the pain of being part of the family. Because it's costly to be part of the family. So out of self-preservation, we just want to do it our way. But you're also disconnecting yourself from the glory that comes with being part of the family. It's so vulnerable to plant yourself in the family of God. You're going to get offended. I can promise you that, and I'm probably going to do it, okay? Just so you know, it's probably going to be me because I'm, I'm just a lot of a person sometimes. When you open yourself up to the Father, you also open yourself up to the family. It's going to create conflict. It's going to create friction. But welcome to the family. That's what it means. We're going to be co-glorified all together, but we're going to suffer together too. It's not always going to be seen favorably in culture, but we don't run from that. I think of the last couple of years and how our church endured so much horrible, horrible circumstances. We watched multiple elders in our church pass away, multiple families lose their loved ones. We saw elderly pass away. We saw young people pass away. And do you know how it felt to go through that? Suffering. It was bleak and dark. 
but also the same way that we weep together. We celebrate the faithfulness of God together. And you might not see me jumping as high in moments of grief or weakness, but it means more to stand together after suffering than to just somehow try to do it all alone. I would rather be together with the family of God through every season than to be on my own in any season. If we share in the sufferings, we also share in the glory. You have been adopted in by the Father. And like I said, a lot of people stop short. They think it's just about salvation, just about forgiveness, but it is so much more than that. In addition to Father's Day, today we also recognize Juneteenth, such an important day in American history. We celebrate the day that marks the historical emancipation of the slaves. What an important day in reflection. Come on, come on. I think it's amazing that just last year, this finally became an official federal holiday. But if you're not familiar with the history, there's just one thing I want to illustrate using this history. It marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people be freed. This moment of arrival came two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. That's when the ink had dried on a proclamation that said all people should be free. It took two and a half years for the news to reach everyone. People were living in slavery and they didn't even have to any longer because the news hadn't got there yet. But after two and a half years, the news traveled. Confederate General Robert E. Lee had surrendered two months earlier in Virginia, but slavery still remained intact in Texas and some of the southernmost states until Gordon Granger, the general, stood on Texan soil and read this order. The people of Texas are hereby informed in accordance with a proclamation from the head of the United States that all slaves are free. He proclaimed something that had already been true. It had already happened two and a half years prior, but finally that news reached the furthest corner of where it needed to. We celebrate and honor and commemorate that today. I know tomorrow's part of the federal holiday, but there's also something so spiritual to this idea that the freedom had already happened. The ink was already dried, but the news hadn't traveled to the corners of where it needed to go. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. The ink was dried. You were set free. And maybe spiritually you've understood that. Maybe in your spirit you understand I've been brought from death to life, but maybe it hasn't quite reached your mind yet. Maybe you know you're saved here, but you're still thinking like an orphan. Maybe it's true in your spirit, but not true in your depression, not true in your anxiety, not true in your lustfulness or your addictive behavior or in your marriage or in your family or in your lifestyle. But what I want to tell you is, yes, back travels fast, but good news travels far. It might start in your spirit, but it is reaching into your mind, reaching into your actions, reaching into your sexuality, into your marriage, into your finances. The good news is that you have been adopted in by a father who is loving and good. His hand is on your shoulder, and it can change everything about your life. If you believe it, someone say amen today. Stand up on your feet with us. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. For just 60 seconds, I want to challenge you with something maybe you've never done. And we're all going to do it together. We can do this, family. I want you to out loud pray to God the Father. 
The Bible says the Holy Spirit gives us these words, beloved father, dad. And on this Father's Day, for 60 seconds, all together, that way no one feels weird, we're all going to do it together. I want you to pray to God the Father. Acknowledge Him. Maybe pour some love on Him or ask Him for what you need. I'll lead it on the mic for like 10 seconds so you get a feel for it, but I want us to all do this together. So lift your hands with me. Father God, I approach you today with so much love. I honor and respect you. I'm so glad that you're with me, and I need your help. I cannot be the husband or dad you've called me to be without your help so strengthen me help me to know that you're with me every step of the way come on church pray out loud to the father come on you're talking to your father you can be a little more bold than that yes 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 this is what the Holy Spirit comes to do, to unite us to our Father. I want everyone to look at me for a moment. First of all, you can keep doing that. You can get in your car today and keep doing that. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you don't know God as your Father, I want to give you that opportunity today. A while ago, we were working through some behavior stuff with my son. And in a moment of red-headed fire he looked at me and he said I just want to be an adult I said what you say <laughs> as he's playing with toys I was like what are you saying and he's like I just want to be an adult because you guys get to do whatever you want and I was like yo <laughs> I, that's first of all that's just not true he said but you guys can do anything you want I always go in timeout and I said hey in this household when you go into a five-minute timeout that's us showing you love. Because here, if you break the rules, you get five minute timeout. When you're an adult, if you go out there and break the rules, you might end up in jail. It's gonna cost you something. It's gonna affect you mentally and emotionally. It's gonna affect your relationships. He was like, yes, sir. He got like super serious. And I was like, yeah. I had a dad win. And then days later, he came to me, which shows me he had been like thinking and thinking. And his eyes were water and he said, Dada, if I ever go to jail, will you still love me? And what I thought was me just trying to instill discipline, my son was having the same wrestling thought that we all do of like, what is my worth if I mess up?
This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.